athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Are you ready for some football? Well, HBCU football season is going to begin on Sunday. Jackson State is hosting Edward Waters, and we finally made it to this point. It's Friday, a little bit after 7 in the east, 4 out west. But as we stand right this moment, the game is scheduled to be played. you got a number of different factors here. Obviously, COVID-19 which that's not really the factor, but, you know, things can change pretty quickly. But you've got, like, in the South, there, I mean, Texas has been hit hard. There's a big, or had been a big snowstorm, a lot of ice in various places, and Jackson, Mississippi is one of those places. But as we stand right now, we're going to kick off the HBCU football season on Sunday. And I'm very much looking forward to, to it, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk some HBCU football, and I've got uh, five players that I want you to watch for the upcoming 2021 spring football season. Going to give you my top five players to watch for the 2021 spring football season. We got a jam-packed show for you today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining us in the next segment Leonard Hamilton, the head men's basketball coach at Florida State, going to join us on the program. Florida State playing some pretty good basketball right now. Only three losses, maybe a little bit low in terms of where the Seminoles are ranked in the country relative to their record. The other thing is uh, the, the three losses. I think that's pretty big in terms of who they've lost to. But in any event, an outstanding season last year, ACC regular season champs season cut short by COVID. How will the Seminoles do this year? And more specifically in the ACC tournament, like the ACC, not, you know, you look at the big, you know, look at Duke. Duke's not having a good season at all. Uh, You look at Carolina, eh, you know, uh, it's open like it's 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 not a great season right now for the ACC but you look at what Florida State is doing right now Florida State is doing a good job uh, winning some games again only three losses so again Leonard Hamilton is the head men's basketball coach and Florida State's going to join us here on the program we're going to keep things in Florida for our next or our other guest that's going to join us today. 
here on From the Press Box to Press Row, or this evening, I should say, on From the Press Box to Press Row, or today, if, if you're out west. Um, listen, not only are we going to keep it in state, but we're also going to keep it in the same city, and not just in the same city of Tallahassee. We're going to do it a little bit better than that, but we're going to take you less than, what, less than a, than maybe a mile or so and take things over to Florida A&M and talk with Robert McCullum. Robert McCullum is the head men's basketball coach at Florida A&M, and he's also going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Rattlers have been off for a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, they defeated North Carolina Central in a weekend series. Now going to host North Carolina A&T, who is really on fire right now. The Aggies playing some really good basketball as we start to wind down that MEAC season. You look in the north, you look at Morgan State, you look at Coppin State. Uh, Howard obviously is not, is, is not playing uh, anymore. Uh, currently, uh, Dell State not doing too well. Uh, you look in the south, A&T, Central, uh, but A&T is that team right now. Also, also in the north, you look at uh, you look at Norfolk State, but then South Carolina State uh, is not uh, not playing uh, particularly well. Or matter of fact, they're they're you know they've had a lot of games that have been canceled. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of games for North for South Carolina State have been canceled. Matter of fact, they were supposed to have a game against North Carolina Central. It's supposed to be a TV game, an ESPN game. Um, next week, and it has been postponed. So, uh, again, this COVID situation is bad. But, again, we're coming down to the last couple of weeks of the regular season of basketball. And, and listen, speak. you look at – so uh, NBA TV, and, and I talked about Sekou Smith, uh, formerly of uh, NBA TV. Uh, he's a Jackson State graduate, had a chance to meet – uh, Sekou via Roscoe Nance at the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend in Vegas in 2007. And he used to come on to the show. We talk some NBA. And so what actually NBA TV is doing is NBA TV, uh, I believe it's on Monday, is going to show a, a doubleheader, Grambling versus Jackson State. Grambling versus Jackson State. Men's and women's basketball is going to take place on NBA TV. So that should be pretty, like that's going to be pretty, that's pretty big. Uh, it's going to take place Monday, February 22nd, uh, 5.30, 3 p.m. for the women's game, 5.30 for the men's game. That's Eastern time. And you've got a couple of, you know, you you, uh, you know Stephanie Reddy. Stephanie Reddy's been a, a, a guest on this program in the past, and Stephanie Reddy, um, was was and actually is on NBA TV now, uh, but was an analyst for the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. Uh, did some work with TNT also, uh, so she's going to be part of that broadcast as well as lo- along uh, with uh, Sam Mitchell, Roe Paris going to be in studio and then calling uh, the game. Uh, you're looking at. Roe Brown and Deuce McAllister. Roe Brown, big time uh, personality in New Orleans. So that should be pretty interesting. They're going to talk, obviously, a lot about, uh, you know, Black History Month, the, the legacy of HBCUs, more specifically the SWAC. You look at a guy like a Lindsey Hunter 
that came out of Jackson State. You look at a Bobby Fields, uh, rest in peace, that came out of Southern. You look at Willis Reed going, you know, way back that came out of Grambling. So a lot of great players coming out of the SWAC. So that should be also uh, pretty interesting uh, as well. NBA TV going to showcase men's and women's college basketball, HBCU style, on Monday. So that should be pretty, pretty special. The Box to Row National Players of the Week. Uh, We're going to take things to Greensboro, North Carolina. Channon Scott of the North Carolina A&T Lady Aggies averaged 17.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, 3 assists, and and 2.5 steals in two victories over arch-rival North Carolina Central on last week, including recording her second double-double of the season, 22 points and 11 rebounds, had three assists and four steals. That happened uh, on Valentine's. They had a chance actually to call uh, that game. It took place in Durham. It it was a situation where the Lady Eagles had swept North Carolina A&T three times last year, two times in the regular season and in the MEAC tournament. So two victories for North Carolina A&T, Shannon Scott, uh, one of our Box to Row National Players of the Week. The other Box to Row National Player of the Week this past week was Greg Boyd, the guard from Tuskegee, and he had a phenomenal week uh, on last week for Tuskegee. Averaged 28 points, four assists, four and a half rebounds, shot 69% from the field and from three-point range uh, on last week. So Greg Boyd, a phenomenal week for Tuskegee. Also, the Box to Row National Player of the Week. We're going to step aside, take our first break, come back. We're going to be joined by Leonard Hamilton, the head men's basketball coach at Florida State. You're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row, and you've got us here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. As we continue here on Box to Row, we're joined by a gentleman in his 19th season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida State. Seminoles have made seven NCAA tournament appearances and have a current 12 and three record eight and two in the ACC's the three time ACC coach of the year. Of course, the Seminoles won the ACC regular season championship last year. He's Leonard Hamilton joins us here on box to rope. Well, hello, folks. How are you doing? Doing absolutely awesome. And so glad to have you. Your team is doing well. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I want to start there. Your thoughts on the season to this post being twelve and through and three and eight and two in ACC play. Well, it's kind of difficult right now to start wanting to evaluate where you are when you're still in the middle of the season. You know, we still just taking it one game at a time. You know, we 
we've had some bumps in the road, but I think we're making progress. Um, I, I'll, the challenge for us is is uh, adjusting to, you know, the pauses that we've had. We've had two pauses, so we've lost too much of working and development that I think has, you know, affected us somewhat. And, and uh, we play a lot of people, and so, you know, the way we develop is a little different. So, But right now, we're just trying to take it one day at a time, trying to get better. Let's see where we are at the end of the season. Then maybe I can give you a better idea of how I really feel. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and actually, it's an interesting uh scenario when you talk about the pauses that I want to get to a little bit later on but this win over UVA where you score 85 points and this is a UVA team that's the fourth ranked defense in the nation in terms of points allowed per game in the country your thoughts on your team's performance and being able to score that amount of points well well, you know we just play the way we play you know and regardless of who is who is against we don't change very much you know, we all know that Virginia is an unbelievably sound, fund- fundamentally sound basketball team. You know, on, on Monday, we just got we got off to a good start. We shot the ball very well. Our kids executed the offense very well. We got some easy baskets in transition, and and we got off to a good start. I mean, I don't know if that's any reason. It's not time to start taking any bows now because, you know, we still got more games we got to play. And... um I just think that we have we had a good game, and maybe Virginia didn't play quite as well as they're normally capable of playing. And sometimes in the ACC, if you're not at your very very best, um, you know you, you, it's hard to win. There's no question that they're the most dominant team in the ACC in the last five or six years. They won the national title. Uh, they uh, have won more games in the last five or six years than anybody in our league. We get them respect, and I think. As a result of the of the respect we have for the outstanding job that Coach Bennett has done, and for the outstanding players that they have, uh, that uh, I thought that motivated and got our attention, and we realized we had to be at our very best in order to, to be successful against them. So, you know, our, now the challenge for us is to be consistent playing at that level all the time. That the voice of Leonard Hamilton in his 19th season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida State. He joins us here on Box to Row. I mean, you to your point, you play a lot of guys, some balanced scoring. Right now, MJ Walker leads you in scoring. He's averaging 13.9 points per game, shooting 47% from the field and 48% from three-point range. Can you speak to his growth uh, really over four years because you look at where he was as a freshman, uh, but even from last year to this in terms of how he's really grown uh, under you, uh, in this Florida State program? Well, MJ has had a very good run. He's been a very integral part of our team ever since he was a freshman. Uh, he's a, a, a guy who uh, who has embraced his role, uh, has changed and gotten uh, more important as, as time has gone on, has moved on. Now he's the senior. Uh, he's going to get his degree uh, this semester. Uh, he's the leader of our team. He's embracing that, giving us good leadership. And uh, it's really, really uh, nice to see a kid come into school, grow, get his degree, and still have an opportunity to play basketball after he leaves Florida State. So it's a success story as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, can I take you back a little bit to last year? I mean, you finished first, as I mentioned, in the regular season, in the tournament, and COVID hits. 
Yeah, man, how frustrating was that? Do you feel like you had a team that could win it all? Yes, yes we, we feel like we had a team that could have won it all last year, but we've been that way for the last four or five years. You know, we, we lost in the Elite Eight to Michigan a few years ago. The a year before that, I, I, a couple of years before that, uh, I, we lost to uh, uh, the VCU in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Sweet 16 that I thought we had a legitimate chance to, to win it. And, uh, you know, we've been knocking on it. The year before last, uh, we, we, we lost, I think, in the Sweet 16. But we had two players, two of our top six players, you know, had injuries right there toward the end of the season, Phil Kofa and, and uh, our point guard, uh, fifth-year senior, uh, David Nichols. And so we've been knocking on the door. Last year I thought was another year that if we had gotten in there, we could have done it. Now we feel the same way about this year. You know, we, you know that's just the way basketball is. That's the way the nature of ch- challenges, you know, obstacles that you have to overcome. Uh, we just realized that, you know, next next year up, we just got to go see can we do it again. And sooner or later, hopefully we'll get to that point where we have our opportunity. You know, the interesting thing is these last couple of losses have been – after those losses, you've you've had a pause and postponement in games for the last couple of weeks, which is which is very interesting. And then you've gone on a winning streak. Uh, can you speak sort of to that and some of the adjustments that you uh, make with the team having that sort of that that two weeks off? Well, we try to communicate with our guys. We try to stay connected. You know, we have a lot of Zoom calls uh, with with them when we can't be in contact. Uh, to try to keep us, we spend more time coaching their minds and their spirits, and then because we physically can't have access to them because their bodies. But what we try to just be very a matter of fact approach. Understand that these are circumstances that are beyond our control. So what we have to do is be mature enough to deal with that which we can control. That's our mental, emotional uh, approach to uh, dealing with these. Uh, unforeseen circumstances. You have to have the maturity to prepare yourself for the unexpected. And that's the frame of Don't have a pity party. Don't be worrying about it. The what if. Don't allow yourself to be stressed because in reality, uh, unless you're sick, these things that are going on are small in comparison to some issues other folks have that are less fortunate than us. And if, all, if are we going to miss a few games, miss a few practices, and we still got our health then we need to be appreciative and don't allow ourselves to get caught up in the negative stuff that brings you down. You know, some say, say there's the mental, the mental health issues of kids being stuck and can't go anywhere, can't do anything, can't see anybody. What I point out to them, of all those people around the world who are less fortunate than them, they don't, I don't want to hear us crying about us not being able to, to go out and us not being able to, to, to go practice, get over it. But now, the matured people will get better. Those who are not matured, they'll stay the same, and some gonna get worse. There were three different categories. We wanted to be in the in the in the get better category, and our kids have, have done that. I think they've made the sacrifice and they've handled it very well. Leonard Hamilton joins us here on the program. You look at uh, the loss of John Thompson, and then more recently, uh, John Cheney. Can you speak to? the impact that both of these coaches had on you? Well, John Thompson specifically, I knew John Chaney very well. We talked occasionally, but I had an unbelievably close relationship 
with John Thompson, and he probably has much to do with my career as any, anybody at all, leading God and me. And then once I got to be a head coach, I leaned on him for his advice. Whenever I had issues that I felt I needed some matured advice, I would always call him. I had him on speed dial, and he, he was always uh, instrumental in leading and guiding me and giving me the, the benefit of the wisdom that he had gained through his years of experience. And so there's nobody in coaching that benefited more from the, the, the mentorship uh, that John Thompson gave than, than Leonard Hamilton. I'm so appreciative, and anytime I can ever do anything to honor him, uh, I'm on it. You know, for you, we're here in the state of North Carolina. You're from Gastonia. For those that don't know, Leonard Hamilton is from Gastonia. So with, and I don't think a lot of people know, I mean, when Gastonia had a community college, started a basketball program, you were one of the first athletes, first black assistant at Kentucky, first black athlete, I believe it was athlete, not just basketball player at UT Martin. Can you speak to and, and where we are in terms of Division One basketball, where it's getting it's a lot better than where it was in terms of black coaches. But some of the uh, you've obviously been mentored by some, but can you speak to how you've also passed along? Uh, now you're a mentor to some of the uh, black coaches that are coming along in Division One men's basketball. Well, I've been very fortunate in my career to have had some very unique, special opportunities. And, and, you know, I had so many people along the way help me. And so I try to be available to not only the, the, the black coaches, but whoever else I can help. I have a lot of guys that have, have come under my tree, Bill Self being one of them. Uh, he was one, I, I, he was, I, I gave him his first assistant job when I was at, 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 at Oklahoma State. But uh, in this day and time, you know, in our business, this is kind of a small world. You know, you have people help you, and you try to help other people. That's been my motto. And uh, someone said that, you know, a true test of a man's importance is how 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 much does he help someone else who is less fortunate. And that's always been my motto. Leonard Hamilton again in his 19th season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida State. The Seminoles scheduled to play Virginia Tech. On Saturday, 12-3 and three on the season, 8-2 and two in ACC play. As he joins us here on Botch to Row, Coach Hamilton, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Seminoles. Thank you very much. And the Seminoles scheduled to play Pittsburgh on Saturday in Tallahassee, opposed to originally having been scheduled to play Virginia Tech. And again, that's going to happen in the midst of COVID. If you want to react to anything that Leonard Hamilton had to say, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, or on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one or my personal Instagram account at where Donald. Florida State's got an excellent, excellent program, has an opportunity, I think, to win a national championship probably should be rated a little bit higher, but again, some of the losses I think is what is holding them back from being ranked even higher up next here on from the press box to press row. We're going to keep things in Tallahassee, Florida and visit with Florida A&M head men's basketball coach, Robert McCullough. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. 
now back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And you know if we're in Tallahassee and we talk with Leonard Hamilton, you know we got to go a little bit across the street and talk with my next guest, as a matter of fact, in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida A&M is Robert McCullum. And the Rattlers have won a couple of games in a row. Going to take on North Carolina A&T home on Saturday and Sunday as Coach McCullum joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Coach McCullum, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be on. Absolutely. Glad to have you. You know, you guys, I mean, it's sort of been one of those seasons like for a lot of the teams where you you don't know if you're going to play. uh, And, you know, COVID has affected everybody and certainly it has affected you throughout the course of this season. But you've had a a couple of nice wins uh, a little bit more recently when you go back a couple of weeks ago, wins against North Carolina Central. Uh, your thoughts on those two victories when you beat Central uh, in a weekend series? Well, anytime you beat you beat uh, Central, it's uh, it, it only counts as one win, but yet it's it's quite an accomplishment just because of what the program uh, stands for, the job that Lavelle Moten has done, the program he's built. Uh, it, it speaks for itself, and so. Uh, I think I speak for most teams. I know I speak for our, our team that it doesn't take much motivation to get your guys ready to play uh, when you face Central. And uh, defensively, I'm not so sure we could have played better uh, in the two-game series we played against them. Yeah, holding them to 50 one night and 47 the other night. For you, as I mentioned, just a lot of – I mean, it's been a lot of time off. And then more specifically, you got 20 days off. you got almost three weeks off between your victory over South Carolina State and then when you played North Carolina A&T going back to the end of January. How, how frustrated, you know, how, how was that in terms of that time off? What did you guys uh, go over? And, and, and obviously, uh, even, you know, I don't know how much it affected you uh, in the games against North Carolina A&T. Well, it, it's challenging not only, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging on a number of levels. Uh, physically, it is because you know you lose that conditioning, you lose your your, your, your rhythm and your timing, and it also it, it, it affects the players, uh, you know, mentally, psychologically. You know, oh, who, here we go again. You know, it's just almost you, you know they, they come to practice each day almost uh, apprehensive from the start because so many things have gone have gone badly. COVID related, you know, we we practice at South Florida early in the season. The the, night, the day before a game, we get there day of the game to find out that some of my SIDs office tested positive. Now they won't play us, and uh, that impacted the next game against Nebraska. So, you know, they they just they, again the players become more apprehensive, and uh, it's taking its toll, you know, mentally, psychologically on them, but. Our first matchup against A&T, you could tell the layoff really was a factor. The second night, you know, we were up 20 points, and which was, you know, kind of unusual for us to, to lose a lead like that. And so we have no one to blame, uh, to blame but ourselves. 
Yeah. What about earlier? I mean, can you speak to, you You know, you start the season off with, you know, four wins, then uh, four losses, then the win over Austin Pay uh, back on December the 15th. Uh, you know, you played some really good teams prior to that. You look at three straight games. You talk about Power 5, Georgia, Oregon, and Oklahoma. How did, you know, you all playing in those games help to propel you in the victory over Austin Peay? Well, they, they, they really did. And uh, just because when you can just hang close with, with, with Georgia, uh, you know, and, you know, we played Oregon, you know, relative, you know, relatively close for about, for about a half, you know, Oklahoma was, was probably the most lopsided loss that we, that we've had. So it, it gives you a vote of confidence. And so you, you know, with all due respect, you're facing with this, uh, you know, less size or size more comparable to yours, less athleticism or not quite the same caliber of depth, depth, I mean, depth or skill level, you know, that there is a difference. So we were very confident going into the Austin P game. Now we'll say this, the Austin P game really prepared us for a game uh, against South Carolina about three weeks, you know, later, just because of the similarities defensively, they get up and, kind of pressure you all over the court and try and deny every pass. So we felt that that game prepared us for the South Carolina game. But, you know, a 10-point loss to Georgia, a 10-point loss to Georgia Tech, 7-point loss to South Carolina is clearly a vote of confidence. That said, once you get the conference play, regardless of what conference you, you're a member of, conference play is totally different. Those games uh, mean so much more. You're playing for a regular season uh, title, you're playing for seeding in the conference tournament, so it's almost like you can throw those records or performances out of the door, but you carry the, the confidence and the experience that you face into conference play with you. Robert McCullum in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida A&M joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Can you speak to the play of MJ Randolph, the young man's averaging 15.1 points uh, per game for you and 6.4 rebounds, shooting also 46% from the field. Well, you know, his, his stats sort of uh, speak for themselves. His stats really sort of describe him as a player in that he, he's a really just a good all-around player. He plays on, on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's versatile in terms of the number of players he can defend. And uh, he scores, but the only the, the area he didn't score in is shooting threes. That's not not a strength of his at all. But you know, to his credit, he doesn't try to do things that he can't do. He's got a very good mid-range game, good one-on-one player. He can sl- you know slash and drive the basket, and does a great job of creating shots for others. You know, his versatility. You know, he can defend one, two, or three. You can isolate him, and uh, for as good of a player he is well-rounded he's just an even uh, much better young man so it's that versatility that really helps us and makes it difficult for opponents to defend him just because he's not one-dimensional interesting and then when you look at that so you and you have after that it's sort of a balance more of a balanced scoring right can you kind of you know speak to that and you know it could be anyone on any given night well, absolutely. I think I think that's sort of the strength of our team is that I think we've legitimately we've got five or six guys that's that's capable of giving you you know fifteen points on any given night, and and so I think I think 
we've probably had all of them at one game or another has scored at least 15 points in a game. And so I think that balance, that versatility, you know, perhaps makes, makes us a little bit more, you know, dangerous than what our record may indicate or maybe a little bit more difficult uh, to prepare for. Uh, and, you know, case in point, uh, in our first game against uh, North Carolina Central, uh, Jai Clark came off the bench and I think scored 16 points in about 20, 25 minutes, going four from eight from three. Well, the next night, he didn't shoot it as well. He may have been 0 for 4. But then 6'9", Johnny Brown comes off the bench. He has 8 points in 12 minutes, including 2 or 4 from 3. So it's, it's that kind of uh, depth and, and versatility that I think you know, really uh, speaks well for our team. And we're, we're a team that's really been, uh, in, in addition to the, the issues with COVID that impacts all of us, directly and indirectly we have three of our 13 scholarship players have been done for the year uh since december with injuries and so that 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 really hurts us and then jai clark and uh uh evans uh desir uh our center you know they've been you know on and off the injury list all year with knee injuries and that's why prior to central jai clark had not played you know at all he didn't play at all in the series against a and t so you know, with with uh, him and Johnny Clark and Evan Desir, it gives us uh, three guys off the bench uh, that can score and gives us more depth and, and, you know, sort of enables us to keep our guys fresher. Robert McCullum is the head men's basketball coach at Florida mm-hmm. A&M. He joins us here on the program. What has to be different this time around for a different result as North Carolina A&T comes to you on Saturday and Sunday? Well, first of all, against against uh, those guys, you got to take care of the basketball. They they a uh, big part of what they do offensively is create offense from the defense, and so we got to take care of the basketball. And they have, they they do a good job of trying to get you uh, sped up, trying to dictate tempo. But if we can take care of the basketball, uh, and and you you, you got to make shots. You know, I, I feel good about our chances and. Uh, they got guys. They, they know what they need to do, so it's not going to take the lot take very much to get them uh, ready to play for the game just for the series this weekend. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, looking looking ahead, not necessarily at the matchup, but the fact that you have to play South Carolina State three times in four days: the twenty fifth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly not ideal. It's not something that I like. I don't think a coach in the league likes. Uh, the format for this year, you know, the, you, it was, uh, I think the vote was something like, uh, I don't know, nine, two in favor of, of playing a, a normal schedule, you know, playing everyone, you know, at least once as we normally would. So this was the league's doing to, to divide it into divisions and not even have you not play everyone. Uh, so it's it's been you know it's been challenging, but yet, um, you know, playing the same team three three days and four three games and three days three games and four days. It's uh, I guess it's kind of like uh, the uh, NBA playoffs or uh, Major League World Series. It's the only other thing I can think of that would it, it would be similar. And but it's one of those situations where you you've got to play the hand that you were dealt and and play it as well as you can. Again, it's unfortunate, but 
you know, uh, in this case, it's, uh, it's what we have to do. Last thought, and we appreciate the time. I want to get your thoughts on Florida A&M's move to the SWAC as you'll be playing, you know, obviously basketball in the SWAC on next year. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I guess ge- geographically, uh, you know, perhaps uh, aside from the, from the Texas schools, uh, maybe, maybe Pine Bluff, you just don't have uh, – those would be the only schools that would be uh, kind of a cha- – we, we, we fly to we fly Texas, of course. But for the most part, you can kind of bust to those other places. Maybe Pine Bluff might be an exception. But so, from first of all, from a financial standpoint, uh, it's a it's a it's a huge uh, cost saving financially. And then uh, there there are a lot of uh, you know rivalries, old rivalries uh, that goes back for decades and decades with versus Jackson State, uh, Southern, and Grambling, and those teams, and so. I think our fans and alums, you know, look forward to the renewal, you know, of some of those, uh, some of those, some of those robberies. Uh, Alabama State, for example, you know, it's uh, it's about a four-hour drive from from our campus, certainly the closest of the of the swag school. So I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've enjoyed uh, planning the MEAC. I particularly uh, enjoy the D.C. Baltimore trip because I'm I'm kind of a, I like I love big cities so. I miss uh, the you know the travels to that part of the country, but uh, overall, I'm I'm looking forward to it to the uh, to the move. Robert McCullum again in his fourth season as the head men's basketball coach at Florida A&M joins us here on from the press box to press road. The Rattlers are hosting North Carolina A&T on Saturday and Sunday in Miac play. Coach McCullum, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Rattlers. We'll need it, and you—you you mentioned my man Leonard, Leonard Hamilton. That's uh, one of my dearest friends. We met uh, next month. Would be uh, we we have a forty-year relationship. Oh, oh wow! Well, why doesn't he give you like he needs to give you a game, Coach McCullum? You know <laughs> well, what I'm saying? You know, hey, you—you <laughs> you would be wasting your breath trying to get him to do that. <laughs> hey, that's a that's a that's a story for a different day. Uh, but, but, uh, again, so we've, you know, we've had that conversation. That's, that's probably not going to happen for, for a number, for a number of reasons, but yet, uh, you know, he, we have a great friendship. He's a wonderful guy. He's done a whole lot for me, my career and, 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 and countless others. Just, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful person. Very well said. Appreciate it. Coach McCullum. Okay. Thank you. Robert McCullum, head men's basketball coach at Florida A&M. We're talking HBCU football next. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train. With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. 
All right, we can finally talk some HBCU football here on From the Press Box to Press Row because we've been talking some HBCU football, don't get me wrong, but in terms of some of the matchups because, guess what? The season begins on Sunday. Jackson State is going to host Edward Waters, and you know all eyes are going to be on Jackson State and what Jackson State has coming in and uh, you know how they're going to be able to handle things and moving into the SWAC and Deion Sanders and all of those great things. I'm going to tell you what, I think that Edward Waters is going to be prepared. I've known Greg Ruffin, who's the head coach there, for a long time. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I had a chance to have a virtual tour of of uh, of Edward Waters facilities. You know, they're moving into a new facility. We're supposed to start playing this spring, but may be ready by fall. The football field and everything is ready to go. The video scoreboard, uh, the where the coaches' offices are, it's absolutely tremendous. I think what he's done there is absolutely tremendous, and he also has a history at Jackson State. He was a an assistant coach when uh, Rick Comagey, was the head coach there at Jackson State. Of course, if you remember, Jackson State won the SWAC championship uh, in back in 2007, and Greg Ruffin was part of that staff. But I'm interested, like most people are interested, to see what Jackson State has to offer, exactly what's going to happen with Jackson State uh, football. A lot of guys are coming in. A lot of fanfare has been made. Let's remember, and a lot of the guys that have been brought in, first of all, with the recruits, the recruits, aren't go- most of them anyway in terms of at least the high school kids uh, aren't going to be able to play uh, this year. So that's one thing to sort of look out for. You're going to have a lot of the same guys coming back from last year's team, which wasn't really a great team. So uh, Deion Sanders and his staff, a lot of work uh, to really put in. I think it's going to be an uphill battle uh, for Edward Waters, no question about that. And, and by the way, big shots out to our affiliate. Edward Waters is in Jacksonville, Florida. Big shots out to our affiliate in Jacksonville, XL1010 and 92.5 FM, where you hear uh, Boxero each and every week. An uphill battle, I think, for Edward Waters. Nonetheless, uh, remember, they had a guy that had an opportunity to play pro ball. Matthew Wilkerson uh, played tight end and defensive end. The only reason I think he really didn't get a shot, because if you think about a guy like that and you have a pro team, that's the beauty of having of being in a city where there's pro football. It's the beauty of Howard, uh, Howard University and, and Bowie State to a lesser degree with the Washington football team being in D.C. For the, for the uh, Morgan State Bears, the Baltimore Ravens being in Baltimore. You look at some of the other cities. I'm just trying to think of some of the other cities coming to the top of my uh, to the top of my head. I mean, you look at maybe a Johnson C. Smith, uh, a Livingstone there uh, in in the Charlotte or Johnson C. Smith is actually in Charlotte, and ultimately Livingstone's in Salisbury, which is right up the road to have a you know a Carolina Panthers that's right there in the same area, right there in the city. You know, you look at, you go to Texas Southern and Prairie View A&M with the Houston Texans being right there. So there's a lot of examples of that. And I think 
uh, you know, Math Matthew Wilkerson's a guy that would have benefited. I'm I'm sure that the Jaguars would have brought that young man in had there been some kind of uh, camp. But unfortunately, and he may still get his opportunity. But my point is, I mean, Greg Ruffin's got some players. Edward Waters ultimately is going to be in the SIAC, if not this upcoming fall. I don't think it's this upcoming fall, but next fall the uh, they're going to be in the SIAC. And remember, you look at that team last year, I mean, played Southern pretty tough, played some teams pretty tough uh, last year. So be on the lookout, I think, for Edward Waters, who's also going to have uh, going to play some ball, some other games in the spring. So looking forward to the matchup. And I think one of the players that a lot of people aren't talking about is the young man, the linebacker for Jackson State and Keontae Hampton. I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about him. He was the the SWAC's defensive player of the year. And he's, you know, he's going to be hungry. Like a lot of people aren't talking about him. They're talking about everything but him, so you know he's going to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Looking forward to that game on Sunday. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming that the game can be can be shown or going to be shown somewhere. It's not, if I'm not mistaken, it's not part of the ESPN three package. Uh, by the way, uh, ESPN announced that you know quite a few games are going to be shown on the ESPN family of networks, more specifically on ESPN. You, uh, ESPN three and in a couple of games that that are going to be on ESPN U. So I'm just interested in seeing uh, if I'm if I'm not going to watch, be able to watch the game, which I'm not sure. Um, I, you know, Jackson State may be showing the game on like the Jackson State Network, I think, uh, and I don't know if that's just locally uh, in Jackson. Actually, I'm looking now. Actually, is an ESPN three game. I looked. I thought I didn't see where it was. Definitely going to have my eyes on that football game. So uh, hopefully you've been listening to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. More recently, we had a conversation with Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, head coach Doc Gamble in his first season. I think Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to be really, really good uh, this year. I, I think when you, you know, you're talking about Skylar Perry coming back, uh, Harry Ballard the third at the wide receiver, and then some defensive guys that I think we're, that's where Arkansas Pine Bluff has to be more improved this year. And you can hear Doc Gamble talk about the Arkansas Pine Bluff program. So what I've done for the last 10 or 11 years is give my top five players to watch coming into the season. And since the HBCU football spring season is going to begin on Sunday, I'm going to give you my top five players to watch for the spring and this is volume 11. So this is the 11th season, actually, that we've done this. At number five, I have a tie for number five, Jalen Harris of Prairie View A&M. He's a defensive back. He's a redshirt senior. This is a young man that's one of the best corners in the SWAC. In the swack. He's a shutdown type of corner. Uh, his numbers backed up his play from 2019, where he led the conference in passes defense per game at 1.8 per game, 14 pass breakups. He also had four interceptions on the season for his career. He's got 30 pass breakups and seven interceptions. And that's uh, in uh, two seasons at uh, Prairie View A&M. And, you know, he's a former, he's a guy that originally enrolled out of high school at UTEP, 
But then, well, when he for playing football, I should say, because prior to UTEP, he spent a couple of years in the L.A. Dodgers farm system as a center fielder and a second baseman. So this is a young man that's a very, very good athlete and one, I think, that has an opportunity to play at the next level. He's tied for number five. I have him tied at number five with the aforementioned Harry Ballard, the wide receiver from Arkansas Pine Bluff. You look at Ballard, you look at the numbers, he had a couple of quarterbacks throwing the ball to him, but it didn't matter the quarterback. He was the constant. 52 receptions, averaged 18 yards per reception, 938 yards, had 10 receiving touchdowns. All of those numbers were top five in the SWAC. He had five games of 100 or more yards receiving, including against the likes of an Alabama A&M, where he also caught three touchdown passes. Tennessee State, Prairie View A&M, some pretty good competition. He's a transfer from the University of Missouri. He he didn't play. He actually played at a JUCO coming out of high school, uh, then went to Missouri. I, I don't even believe that he played and then ultimately is now at Prairie View A&M where he is definitely excelling. At number four, Jerry Garner. Of Mississippi Valley State, he's a defensive end. He's a guy that hasn't really gotten the credit I think that he deserves. You look at the numbers, he's got the numbers, especially from last year, but this is a Mississippi Valley State program that just has not been good for quite some time. So he's going to be a guy that's overshadowed. 5-28 and 28 is what Mississippi Valley State is in the three years that Jerry Garner has played, but you got to figure that they're going to be improved this year behind the defense. He led the SWAC in sacks with nine. He had 16 tackles for loss. He had 53 tackles on the season, 31 solo. That's pretty, that's good, especially for a guy that's an edge guy, a rush guy, a defensive end, you know, a defensive end that goes out and not just can rush the quarterback, but can also make tackles uh, as well and did it against uh, did some good things against stuff a stiff competition against Lamar Alcorn State Grambling and Alabama A&M combined six tackles for loss and he also had two sacks on the season I have Jerry Garner of Mississippi Valley State at number four and by the way this isn't necessarily the the best five or in this case six players in HBCU football it's the five players to watch at number three I also have an aforementioned player, Keontae Hampton of Jackson State. Listen, this is a guy, again, who has a chip on his shoulder. All the big-name recruits that are coming in with Jackson State and Deion Sanders and all of that, not a lot of people talking about Keontae Jackson, the linebacker. Remember, he was the SWAC's defensive player of the year, had 121 tackles last year. 78 of those tackles were solo, 14 tackles for loss, also had four and a half sacks on the season. It's a guy, you, you talk about the transfers that are coming in. Well, this is a guy that has some college, um, has some experience because some of the transfers, as I mentioned, may, may, may be guys that haven't necessarily played uh, a lot in college. And Keontae Hampton's a guy who has played quite a bit in college. And number two, Aquil Glass, the quarterback out of Alabama A&M. He's one of the top 25 Uh, NFL prospects at quarterback in all of college football, in all of college 
football. He can make all of the throws. Um, and, you know, he's looking to be a guy that's going to be drafted. He's going to come back. He's going to play this spring, but he's going to come also play in the fall. So next year's draft, if he's drafted, he'd be the first guy that would be drafted since to, uh, out of the swack since Tavares Jackson was taken in the second round back in 2006 by Minnesota. Completed 61% of his passes uh, uh, and threw uh, for 3,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, 311 interceptions, um, and – this is a Alcorn State or an Alabama A&M team that has an opportunity, I think, to win the SWAC championship. I know the coaches in uh, and, and Alabama A&M, I should say, as a whole, not happy with Alcorn State's decision to to not play football in the spring. But Alabama A&M is going to be really, really good this year. Then the number one player I have to watch also from Alabama A&M, Abdul Fateh Ibrahim. Now, this is a young man that last year was, a, or as I say, last year, 2019, was a freshman, had a spectacular freshman season, 59 receptions, which was third in the SWAC, had 1,004 receiving yards, had 11 receiving touchdowns, and averaged 17 yards per reception. Seemed like he got better every game. I just remember Connell Maynard on the SWAC coaches' calls would keep talking about this young man each and every week, and you can see why. And I'm telling you, I was really looking forward to that matchup against Alcorn State. Could have been the HBCU game of the year was slated to take place on February 27th, but now I'm looking where he would have went up against Quinterio Cole of Alcorn State, but now I've got circled the matchup on March 20th against Prairie View A&M when he's going to go up against Harris. That's it for me. Thank you to Leonard Hamilton, Robert McCullum for joining us today here on the program. For more information, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.